Welcome to the Roadie Friday Podcast with your hosts, Darren Makins and Jose Escudero. Hey, did I do it? You did it. Holy shit, this is all working? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear us? Well, I guess so, mm-hmm. since you fucking answered my question. Yes, I can hear you. That's... Hell yeah. So, uh, Jose, Patrick, Patrick, Jose. What's up, Jose? Hey, what's <laughs> But, uh, yeah, man, what's been going on? Uh, well, this is like the extended amount of home time, um, that... I'll probably have this year. We finished Ice Nine finished playing shows in December. Uh we played ninety-three shows this year. Um which I thought was a lot. And then I saw, you know, like Doc, who was playing with Ice Nine and plays with Bad Wolves, and he was like, you know, I played like hundred and thirteen shows this year. And I was like, How did he play twenty more shows than me? And also like that's all like that's a lot too. And I feel like anything above like 80 or 90 shows a year is like, that means you're, you're on tour for six to seven months out of that year. Um, and I played one more with Knight Rider, our first, uh, our, our debut show in Cleveland in December. Um, so 94 shows total for me this year and, or last year. And, uh, I've had the holidays and, uh, January, February, March, and the majority of April off to um just kind of enjoy home uh, my girlfriend moved in with me from massachusetts she drove with me oh, the great. day after the day after christmas um and moved in with me and started a new job here in buffalo and we've kind of just been going through the settling in process i've been like split between making our home feel nice and setting up my practice space, which is where I am now and making it a place where like, I want to spend time and want to be, um, that's a, that's a huge thing for me. Like coming home and having time off is having a, having not only a space to, you know, practice and rehearse in, but like a creative space that, that you want to be in. Cause there's nothing worse than like being motivated and then going to a spot and being like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I think that is like, an awful, awful feeling. Right. Um, so I've got this place pretty much set up to, you know, where I'm going to enjoy making content and enjoy being here for the next couple months. And, uh, yeah, we, we hit the road again at the end of April for another year that kind of looks pretty similar to what 2023 looked like, which is Metallica shows and then just playing shows in between to try to get yourself to the Metallica shows. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, were those shows like the April shows or end of April? Is that all announced or do I have to cut that out? Oh, no, that's announced. So it's sick. New world is the, is the festival that we play at the end of April. And then from there, I think like May 18th or something, we, uh, we fly overseas and we do two months in Europe, just like we did last year and all that's, that's all, um, five finger death punch headliners and Metallica headliners. And it's all announced. Oh yeah. God, that's fucking, that's so cool. Cause I, I don't even know how many shows I did. Uh, I worked last year. 
uh, I can tell you that I was out on two, three month stints. Yeah. And then I did just a bunch of like random fly dates in the summer. So I had the summer off, but then like I did three months from March until June and then another three months from September through December, which, you know, the first the first of those when I worked for Blackvale, that was completely unexpected because they fired two guitar techs within the first <laughs> five shows. <laughs> I love that. Like, uh, that's like what the every every person that works for like bands that are like notoriously like go through like crew and stuff are always like when they introduce themselves it's like what do you do and they say their job title and they say for now after it <laughs> like because it's just so unexpected <laughs> dude i'll i'll cut i'll cut this part out but that kind of shit yeah. if you're not if you're not ready you're not prepared for that kind of stuff then you know that gig's not for you uh yeah so i was uh, and like i even i was on facetime with him to like walk him through their setup because the, they're kempers they're so simple like yeah and they they uh they do like all midi switching which i'm really starting to get dig into because people are starting to ask me to like help them set up their rigs for midi switching so yeah i'm I really mean, like Ricky, our our ricky and miles um and like those guys are super super in touch with that kind of stuff because that's all um that's all ice nine uses and that's something that i'm gonna have to learn as well eventually when like night rider starts playing more shows if possible i'm gonna kind of be the playback rig guy um because we're not gonna have a crew of 14 people so i'm gonna have to you know it's all going to be run off of my stuff. So I'm going to have to be able to like kind of figure out and help our guitarists go through those MIDI changes too. So then like after that, it just, uh, because they, uh, I told them that I could do the tour, but I had to dip a week early because I was already signed on to do the San Asonia tour. So they ended up bringing winters back for the final week. Yeah. And, uh, winters is a fucking killer too. There's, there's one show that we played where I found a, uh, a fake office plant. And so I just set it on guitar world for like the day. You know what I'm talking about? Like one of those trees. Yeah. And so like, I just left it there for the day. I thought it was fun. Ha ha ha. Okay. Load out. I just put it back, you know, where I found it. And a little bit later, we'll get to the topic at hand at some point. I promise you, but we'll, uh, so I, I put it back and then like about five minutes later, I heard on the radio, Hey, uh, what's going on with this tree? And I was just like, well, I guess we inherited a plant. <laughs> oh, it got loaded <laughs> on the truck? It, it was on the truck. <laughs> so then I put I put a oh, piece man. of gaff tape and wrote the uh my uh my front of house dude, this dude named Kevin named it Robert Plant. This is a fucking plant. As you do. And so I put a piece of gaff tape and just wrote Robert Plant on it. So now <laughs> Blackvale has this fake plant living in their storage unit. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb and like every single every it's, it, dude it's the dumbest thing on the planet but like i threat i jokingly threatened every single loader like whenever i would hand them the plant i was like guard this thing with your fucking life and if anything happens to this i will kill myself Pri priorities are you know priorities are get uh get monitor world set up get front of house set up and but above all of that the plant 
plants yeah. out first. Honestly, if you break out. two or three of these Kempers, it's fine. As long fine. as this plant makes it. Those are replaceable. <laughs> but Robert Plant is not replaceable. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's just kind of set a baseline in this conversation. Uh, Patrick, how did you get your start as, uh, I guess you would describe yourself as a professional drummer or whatever? Um, well, it's definitely a, uh, a, a, I would say a lifelong, um, achievement. Uh, it is something that I knew that I wanted to do from an early age. Um, I've been playing drums since 2001. Um, and middle school and high school being, uh, you know, kind of the metalcore warp tour nerd as I was, um, like worshiping warp tour was just like part of my personality trait. I mean, it, it was like, I, I just, I wanted to be on warp tour so bad. And I think that my, uh, you know, my drive and my dedication to getting getting to the the uh, getting to make music my profession um it, it just i had the opportunity i jumped at it i i i dropped out of college before it even started you know i i i threw away everything that i was going to do because i got the offer from affiance in 2009 to be their drummer and i knew that if i that's my first step into the professional world is to join a band that is going to tour that is going to uh like record music and get a record deal and then be on tour for the rest of my life and that was my mentality at 18 years old and it has gotten me to where i am now at 32 um to where you know it actually is a uh, profession in which I pay my bills, you know, like it, being a touring professional is, is, is what my actual career is. And I get to say that and, you know, it's rad, isn't it? 14, 15, 16, 17 year old me would be like, do you did it, dude? How long did it take? And I'd be like, well, it took a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it was hard, but we did it. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And I, I've told you this before, but I want to state for the record that um, Call to the Warrior from Affiance is one of my favorite music videos of all time. First music video I was ever in, baby. <laughs> it's it's like you guys playing on the rock band instruments is like at the time I was like, God, this is so fucking original. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that that music video honestly came as a uh, it came as a pretty happy accident to where we i mean it was 2000 and uh like 10 i think when we shot that video and i mean short form content really wasn't um really wasn't a big thing yet i mean there was you could post on youtube anywhere from you know uh, people would watch on youtube a 2 minute long to 5 minute long like tour recap video or tour blog everything was like oh we're doing a studio blog or a tour blog or blah 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 blah. 
And like the short form content, I don't think was really established yet, but we were just trying to make a silly like advertisement almost advertising the fact that you could play call to the warrior our song on rock band it was available you can still buy it on rock band to this day and play the song and we were just trying to come up with like a creative way to to tell our fans and to tell people that the song was on rock band because we because it's like it was a big deal it was like a huge get like our record label was like you'll never guess what we did for you and we're like like just so soaked on it and it turned into just being so much fun shoot uh and we were just getting ideas and just like the ball was rolling and i remember just being in the director john john's apartment and just being like this we're just gonna do the whole song i mean it's this is now this is now a full-fledged music video and and i'm so happy it did because it did go I mean, it was our first like viral thing. Uh, people still talk about it to this day. So it definitely, it definitely worked. Whatever we did, I don't know how many, how many tunes we we sold on Rock Band with it, but uh, <laughs> I don't. I've never seen that check. Right, for sure. <laughs> so there's there's um there's kind of i i did go over this on the podcast i told a shorter version of this story but i would uh you and i uh, have a little bit of a disagreement as to the the exact story of how we met so uh i would like <laughs> do you to we explain disag- in your own words do we disagree about it we disagree a little bit <laughs> so you you guitar tech for us for one leg of the trinity of territory yeah the third leg it was the third leg so yeah, and I showed up, I believe it was the day after you guys played When We Were Young. And, okay. Is that right? Well, no, I'm just I'm just trying to think because I remember like I remember waking up late and coming into the venue extremely stressed out because I was not because I was under the impression that I was going to be at load in doing my own drums, setting up everything myself and uh and taking that responsibility. I was under that impression. As a headliner should. Kidding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess I maybe I would expected that somebody was going to like wake me up <laughs> and like <laughs> tell me, "Hey, it's time to do the thing." And nobody ever did that, so I woke up late. I don't remember feeling too great. I think I might have had a couple beers the night before. Um, you don't say. If, if I remember that correctly, I do feel like I had a couple beers the night before. And was a little slow moving and a little uh, agitated, I guess. And then here's this fucking dude touching all my shit. <laughs> <laughs> and... I thought that you were a local Satan because we <laughs> did not meet any of our crew as like hired and during like that during that blur of that year of doing all those shows, I was like I'm just like I didn't know if or when somebody quit or when we were getting somebody new and like I ju- I thought that you worked at the venue and that you were gonna attempt to put my drums together for me and i was like motherfucker 
get away from my stuff. Like, I'll let you know if I need your help, which I probably won't. Um, and I, I think that I eventually was like, who are you? And then the wheels started to turn and I was like, oh my God, you work for us. <laughs> yeah. So basically the, 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 really version of it, the version of it that I remember was, um, I showed up day one, you know, no pre-production, no anything. So I didn't know what was, you know, monitor world, what was guitar world, what, what were drum vaults. And so the monitor engineer at the time, uh, you know, he started like parsing through and like, okay, these are, I'm sorry, I'll, okay, these are, uh, these are the uh, <laughs> guitar vaults and uh, the, the, uh, these are the, these, these, this is the drum set. And I was like, okay, cool. So I can at least pop these cases open, start taking things out. I've seen some pictures online, so I can at least like, you know, take a, take a look through and just try to figure this out. And then I didn't know you either. So then there's this pissed off guy that just comes up and like starts angrily talking about like you know fucking state local stagehands like touching my shit and i'm just like hi i'm darren i'm your tech and you and you you were like yeah 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 like okay okay yeah whatever i'll just i'll, I'll just fucking i just need to set up my kit and i was like hi i'm darren i'm your tech and you're just like oh <laughs> i didn't know that i had a tech <laughs> like <laughs> It's like, I didn't expect, I didn't expect there to be someone for me, That's let alone somebody that was doing all of the, I mean, you're guitar teching for three people and drum teching. And yeah. I just, I just didn't know that the job was filled. <laughs> well, I, I gotta be honest with you, like, <clears throat> uh, backline teching for Ice Nine Kills, like the, the guitar aspect of it felt like an afterthought. I, I saw myself as more of a drum tech than a guitar tech. Like I, yeah. I, you know, I did the, I did the strings every day. I did, the, I did the setups. I did all that stuff. But like from a physicality standpoint, I felt like more of a drum tech than I did a guitar tech. Well, I mean, and I felt, you know, once I figured out who you were, uh, and, <laughs> and that you were there, like to help me, I felt extremely well taken care of. Once all of it, once the relationship was established, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, like, what? Once, once, you, like, you were the one that helped me set it up day one, and then after that, it was just like, all right, I got this. Like, yeah, you know, took pictures, and you, you, you told me like about all the heights, and you helped me label everything, and then after that, uh, basically, the way that I work with my artist is day one. I want you to show me how it works. And then after day one, don't fucking come near me. Don't touch anything. <laughs> this yeah. is, this is mine. Go sit, you know, go eat grapes in the dressing room or whatever you do. And that's something <laughs> that I, that's something that I had to like get used to because I think that our, my, my relationship with just drum techs having them in general has been such a gradual um a gradual process from having somebody there you know we did tons of tons of tours with with us headlining and me not having a tech at all um to having a 
guy that kind of can break down my kit and then I would still set it up every day. And at the end of the set, I just wouldn't have to come back and break it down. The guitar tech was able to break it down for me. And then we get into, you know, the like the guitar tech backline tech that's doing everything stage um, that you were a part of, which was, you know, uh, feeling like finally feeling like I don't have to be part of any of the setup or teardown process, but just show up, make sure everything is fine tuned, say good job. Thank you for doing this. And then, you know, see you tomorrow kind of thing. Just a little pat um, on the head. Yeah. Just a little, good I'll get job, you a bud. cookie. You get a cookie later. Um, and like, that was like a gradual experience for me, but it's still, it's still tough to not want to, I mean, for me, this is the type of person that I am, is that I, I feel like I am burdening somebody else to do work that I'm just sitting around not doing, and somebody else is doing it when they quite possibly could be doing something else, and I'm just sitting on my ass doing nothing. And that's like a hard, like, a hard thing to work out in, in, in the, in the head of a, of an artist, I guess, is that like, you know, I tell this story a lot, but like on the, uh, octane accelerator headliner that we did in 2019, like one of our first shows was Cleveland at house of blues. And you know, that huge ramp that covers the stairs that goes from the loading dock onto the stage. I, I'm, it's like first day and I'm loading my cases down that ramp and I got to the bottom of the ramp and Sully turned me around and put his hands on my shoulders and I like looked up at him and he was like, dude, what are you doing? You don't, you don't have to do this. Look at all of the crew. Look at this. Look at how many people are working for you right now. You get to go be the drummer of this band and don't be breaking your hands and trying to break your back lift stuff like go go to the green room get your morning settled and we'll call you back for sound check you don't have to do this and i remember like having tears in my eyes man like i was like this is not what i'm i'm wired to just do do the work you know and i i'm still you know i still feel responsible for my stuff and i and, and i know what you're saying where you're like Day two, stay the fuck away from me. I'm going to do it myself and I don't want you to interrupt. And I, and I get that. And I like feel bad for like, like when I interrupt Lane, if he's setting up my kit and I'm kind of coming up and I feel like I'm watching him and like he feels like I'm watching him, but like I'm just bored <laughs> and I wanted to be like, yeah. I feel like I want to be part of setting it up if I can, you know, like let me help. I want to help you now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With, with drum techs, Specific, like specific, like something I I've seen like uh, on my last tour with Corey Taylor. Uh, the the way I saw, I would always see the drum the drummer like take part of the set. It was like after the drums were put up. Like he was because he would still uh, need to feel that everything was okay. Like he would still like after the kit set up and tuned, he would just like fine tune everything. Like a after the fact, he like he would sit down, you know, make sure everything's like 
as far or close as he wants it, like make sure everything sounds the way you want. And then, and then he'll, you know. Yeah. And if we, so like, if we have a lot of, a lot of the shows that we were doing, um, this year were, you know, we did some, some like a a long string of co-headliners and support tours where we had a lot of production and little time to, to do sound checks and stuff. And, like my thing with Lane was that if there is not going to be a sound check, then I need to be the one to do line check because I need time to sit down at the kit after you've set it up. Not because I don't trust you, not because I think you're doing a bad job, but because for my, for my personal uh, peace of mind to be comfortable, I need to be able to sit down and make sure that, nothing was overlooked or, or because, because I am going to think about it a little more in depth than any drum tech could. There's always going to be something that I am going to see or notice or think about because it is my instrument that I have constructed. There's always going to be something that I, that I will find and fine tune a little bit. And, you know, Lane would be looking up at me and he's like, did I fuck up? And I'm like, no, you, you didn't fuck up. It's just, there's, it's just, I, I noticed that this was just a little bit off. You didn't fuck up. I ju- this is what I'm here to do now is I'm here to you make sure that it's going to be comfortable for me to do. That's a mental block that I had to get over. And it was while working with you uh, in particular that like, I, I just, I set it up the best I can. And then I communicate to my artist that, you know, Feel free to uh, it's set up. Feel free to come by and check it out. And you know, after that, I usually go to catering and grab something to eat, or I just walk away. So because then I start second. Yeah, I start second guessing myself. Like if 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 if, let's just say in some world where I ever end up taking for you again, and I message you or I text you, and I'm like, "Hey, kit's up," just for you to look it over, and I see you walk in, I'm gonna walk out just because (laughs) like. You know, it, I, I I start second guessing myself, and I'm and it's the exact same thing as you said. You know, did I fuck up? You know, and it's yeah. just but that's and that's that that's a me problem. But like, but like, I'm also not gonna be coming out there with a tape measure and be like, um, <laughs> excuse me, like that. Right. That's because because in, in no way would I want to come out and be like, hey, what the? This is at 22. It should be at 22 and a half, motherfucker. Like, like I'm not gonna like that. There's it's just like you oh, joke it's a but the, I guess I'll fix it. <laughs> you joke, but there's a drummer I worked for that it was like I had to bring out the tape measure and make it perfect. <laughs> just because like every single day they would be like, It's off and you know, this is wrong and this is wrong and I, I was I was like I'd open my notes app and I would be like, The distance between the two like the back of the kick drums is this. Yeah. Here's the tape measure proving that it's not Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I can be happy that I'm not like uh I'm not so um, like anal about those things. And like, I also do, I change stuff. Like I, you know, sometimes I do feel bad on lane because like I do change stuff around sometimes. Sometimes I wake up after seeing, and I, and like I'm in my bunk and I watch a video of a drummer playing and I see a new placement of something that I haven't thought about. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I have the ability to try that. And then lane will set up my kit and I'll just come over and be like, ha, 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 I'm here to wreck your fucking day. And like take the entire <laughs> symbol off and move it. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just, I'm just want to try something. And he's like, okay, great. Another thing that I'm going to have to remember to do correctly. And I'm like, 
yeah, like it is going to be that, but it's my kid. I get to, I get to do this. Yeah. As the artist, I'm allowed to do this. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot, and people like, and, and I say that all the time because people like to, like, people like to joke, people like to rib on you. And I am somebody that can be joked with by sound engineers, by techs, by stuff like that with like, you know, if I'm, if I'm in, if I'm in like somebody's way running a cable and I'm trying to like find a new position for something, or if I'm making noise while I'm tuning the drums the way that I want it to be. And people, you know, come by and they're like, Oh my God, drummers. Could, could you just like pick a place for something or could you shut up? And I'm going to be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, yeah, no, you're right. Let me just forget about all this because this is your world. This is what you get to do. I don't have any say in what happens with my own fucking instrument. Do I? <laughs> I can, I can, I can take the jokes, but yeah, I'm going to be a fucking asshole back to you. If you're going to think that you're going to, you know, make a snarky comment to me, I'm not one to just be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm like, no, this is my instrument at the end of the day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like one, one of my favorite thing, uh, what, one of my favorite things to do is like, you know, especially if I can build that kind of relationship with the artist that I'm working at is like, if I can recognize that I can be a little bit snarky back, you know, like for example, um, at the beginning of the tour that I worked for you, all you wanted was just a water. And then it progressed <laughs> to, Hey man, is like, I would love it if I could have a white claw waiting for me. And yeah. I made sure that there was a white claw. And so one day you made a joke that you wanted a small bucket of ice <laughs> at your drum set. So I didn't even tell you, but I made a bucket of ice, yeah, <laughs> uh, like out of a red solo cup. And I just said bucket o, I, I wrote bucket o ice on it, yeah. And like th those are the those are the fun things that you get to do when you have uh, a a a a relationship with an artist that like you know you can kind of go back and forth like that. But obviously, yeah. like day one, I'm not going to show up and like put a whoopee cushion on your throne and just be like, <laughs> ah, nerd, <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> and like I'm very particular. Yeah. When it comes to putting things away, because then, like, if something's broken or something's fucked up, there's not that blame game of, like, oh, well, he took it off, you know, after this set. Oh, well, no, I thought you were handling this. If it's fucked up, I want to know that it was exactly my fault so I can yeah. come and tell you and we can try to figure out some kind of solution. And ultimately, yeah, the too many, too many cooks in the kitchen the there artists. would be, yeah, it's, it's one of those, uh, you know, I don't you don't want to you don't you obviously don't want anything to go wrong. But if it does, you want to be able to know how or who did it. And, you know, the that's another thing that that Lane and Patrick were were very good with, um, you know, telling me that if like something broke or if something with yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I would get a text and they'd be like, dude, don't be mad and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, I'm not gonna be mad. Like, this shit gets flown and and driven around the fucking world. And it's all made out of really delicate, intricate, like, little screw-on pieces. Uh, there's no way that I could possibly be mad if a piece of hardware breaks or something. Especially with how elaborate my, my rack is. And with those Metallica shows... It gets. It has to be taken off of the the. We we were we were leaving it on the riser set up and just rolled right into the truck for all of our headliners, which is like, ah, uh, fucking perfect yeah. because it saves a lot of the wear and tear on on, especially the hardware. And the Metallica days were kind of a day for Lane to reset. You know, like 
get the carpet off of the off of the riser. You set it down, reposition everything, get retape everything. Off. Like, yeah, exactly. Get a vacuum out, which like I I expect there to be a vacuum. Um, and but for those Metallica shows, my entire rack system, which is which is three pieces, just gets hand bombed off the stage by a bunch of crew that have to carry it you know, through people to the truck and same thing for getting it in and getting it out. So like there is often times where the day after a Metallica show, I'll get a text and be like, well, I don't think this was my fault, but somewhere in transit, this got fucked up or somewhere in transit, this broke. And it just, it comes along with, it comes along with the gig. I mean, stuff's going to break, stuff can be replaced and it's, and even if it is someone's fault, even if you put something on loose and it fell, Shit happens, man. I've never, I'm never ever be mad at a mistake like that. I, I, that's just never been in my, in my personality to be mad at that in any situation. If an accident is an accident, then it can just be, you know, it, it can just be fixed. I guess that's also like when, uh, relationships are like super important, like with like the companies, right? Like, for example, like to replace hardware and, Text, the texts are sometimes like we'll have uh contacts as well to like get parts get like you know yeah i i think that is like that's um, maybe something else that i because i haven't had a like i want to i want to use a football term and say a franchise drum tech because we've gone through like a franchise quarterback but like because i've gone through so many not I've gone through, but because Ice Nine Kills as an entity has gone through um, a lot of uh, actors that also stage tech and a lot of guitar techs and stuff just from a lot of our techs <clears throat> ended up going on and doing their own musical projects and like left for to go tour with their own band or they got another opportunity. Like it's 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 not so much a revolving door on. like Yeah. Our part, but we we hire a lot of people that have a lot of other stuff going on. So, I, I was just going to uh, say, like the w the way that you were phrasing it, it sounded like you know, oh, this is just a revolving door. But you know, I really enjoyed my time with Ice Nine. The reason that my time ended was because I got another gig somewhere else that was going to take you know that was going to unfortunately yeah. make me not available for Ice Nine. And 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 that is stuff that is completely understandable with me at least like i i get like hey you get another gig and you want and it it's it's like a, if it's a better gig in, in any aspect then you got to take it um and because i feel like i haven't had that that like secured like franchise drum tech um which I, which i'm hoping uh you know to have in the future and if lane continues to work with us and continues to work out He's definitely like going to be somebody that I would trust giving my contact information of Peisty, of, you know, of like my Sweetwater rep and SJC and the companies that I have a good relationship with as much as I love continuing those relationships and being the guy to say, hey, I need this, I need this, I need this. I, I would feel comfortable with a drum tech doing that on my behalf especially if it's you know something happens during loadout and then that night instead of instead of putting uh, instead of putting that on me after the show you know in, instead of having that like conversation of 
hey, this is broken or something got fucked up. I'm going to need to replace it soon or we're going to have to make a call in the morning. Instead of having to have that conversation, I would be super comfortable with the drum tech just being like, all right, that's fucked up. Uh, I'm going to email Sweetwater tonight. They'll get back to me in the morning and I'll have a new part by the next day. And like maybe Patrick won't even know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's how I like to operate too. It's like, uh, you know, something happens like uh, a pedal like goes bad. Uh, like being able to just like before the artist even you know, f like finds out you're like, Hey, like, Hey, like, and then like next show you can just, Hey, uh, you have a new wah pedal. Uh, you know, the last one stopped working. I got you a new one. It's already yeah. set up. Good to go. You're, and I mean, that is like, play. that, that is, that is such a, uh, I mean, it's such a reassuring feeling that like knowing that somebody's got your back kind of thing, like just at the end of the day, knowing that, knowing that the, the, the person that's there to to do their job that makes you able to do your job is taking it, you know, taking it to the level of, you know, the initiative of of getting stuff replaced and fixed um, without like permission from the artist or something like that is is a very, you know, it just it, it feels like you've you've got it. You're back covered, you know. Yeah. The only person that I really ask for permit, like if something needs to get fixed or if I have a suggestion, um, the only person that I really ask for permission is the tour manager, the person with the pocketbook. And that's just because right. I'm like, hey, yeah. Yeah, I have if it's an idea for this. Money, yeah, then definitely you want to talk to the manager because like sometimes the man, that tour manager will might have to ask somebody else like, hey, can I spend this money? And, yeah. yeah. If you're going to spend money. <laughs> which is funny because if I'm the one like doing my own replacements and stuff. I I just I just go and I just buy the replacement myself and then we'll just send a, send a receipt in and hope that I get reimbursed because <laughs> it's just oh, yeah, going to take the less amount of time. Like if I need it to happen now, I don't want to jump through the hoops of getting it replaced or something. I'm just like I'm doing it, and hopefully you guys understand that I needed this and you'll pay me back. Oh yeah, um, the the band that I work for now, I think I, I I've proven myself and have a little bit of leeway to the point where if I just show up with something and then hand my my tour manager the receipt, he understand like as long as I'm not going buck wild, he yeah. understands because like yeah, I, I uh, wouldn't put an entire new set of like symbols or an entire drum kit on like uh, on, on an invoice and be like um now you owe me this. It's like it's all reasonable, you know, reasonable uh, reasonable things. Yeah. Um like part part of the pre-production is uh I'm I'm going to be for the next tour is I'm going to be reworking for for Saint Asonia I do drum uh, I'm the drum tech and the bass tech so I consider myself a backline tech. Yeah. Um and the the bass player Kale such an such an awesome dude super Canadian. They're all super Canadian. And uh all of it, all of his cable, like this is just an example of one thing that I'm going to fix, but all of his cables were all straight cables for his pedal boards. And so like for the entire tour, just everything was like sticking out and sticking straight up and it just looked like shit. And I was, I was afraid of them tripping over it. Yeah. But you know, we're, we're, we're the first act. So we're the opening act in an arena show. And so like most times it's just like, I don't even know if we're getting a sound check today. So I yep. obviously don't have the time to fix this. 
So we're just we're we're flying in a day early. We're taking the time in Nashville and um you know it was just kind of like every single day on that tour was just like survive today, survive today, survive today. And you know those guys were super cool. They understood. But like for the headliner, you know, there's going to be plenty of time. Like it's it's not just survive, it's thrive. Yeah. That's um <clears throat> I think that we've been in the uh especially last year doing you know having all of our support being metallica support falling in reverse support we did a couple lamb of god support days all of our headliners were in europe um and you know some of those markets we had never been to we weren't familiar with some of the load-ins were a little uh um a struggle with the amount of production that we were bringing in because the level of venues that we were playing in Europe last year were kind of a, a big range of, of, of venues um, because we were playing places that we never played before. So we were playing anywhere from a 500 cap room in, in Norway to, uh, to a 70,000 cap soccer arena, you know? So, there were definitely some times where, especially on support gigs, um, sound checks were rare to come by. There were some headlining shows where sound checks were rare to come by. And then with the Falling in Reverse gig, we had so much production that our stage time prior to doors was taken up a lot by just setup and striking um, that we very rarely got a sound check and then with the co-headliner um which we experienced a lot of when you were with us you know that that you know we did that whole year of triple co-headliners and you weren't always guaranteed a sound check with that because of how stages varied and with how how setups varied with that um video wall stuff and and you know all the all the stuff that goes into setting up a show like that um, and then this co-headliner within this moment still like we, we, we oftentimes just ran out of time to do a sound check or have, uh, uh, you know, be comfortable. Uh, and, and it just, I'm, I, it just happens. Like I, it, it's weird to me that on tours like that, it's still, it's still kind of, time slips away from you still, um, even in, even in huge rooms co-headliners headliners sometimes time just slips away and you kind of think to yourself how the, f how the fuck did that happen <laughs> yeah um and particularly on that co-headliner within this moment i think we were like a week ahead of you or something that entire run yeah so so um like the real the, the particularly bad shows i wanted to text you and be like hey just so you know this one's gonna be rough yeah, for some reason I figured that like all of the uh, all of like the the techs in the world of metalcore have um have like a group chat going of like where you are and what was fucked up that day and like I just figured that every FOH guy has a group chat with all of the other FOH guys and like I just figured that that's a thing like I know merch guys do and I just figured they'd be like hey where are you today? Here. Oh, good luck. This is going to suck. And then like all the information is stored in a group chat somewhere. 
what's what's actually really funny about that is like on the uh, black veil tour i was like checking into venues and uh i'm friends with who is a tour manager and like every single time i check in and he he like check into a venue and he'd be like oh is the elevator working there like every single time <laughs> dude we were in europe we were i think six for seven on breaking elevators when we uh loaded in or out six for seven on broken elevators that's to tell you how much gear we were bringing into these venues that we probably shouldn't have been the final show that i uh that i worked for seven dust filling in for jose uh the elevator broke on the loadout and so like literally we just sat around for two hours during loadout because there was physically no way to get the gear what are you gonna do to the trailer have you have you ever loaded in the front windows of the rave in Milwaukee? No, I can't say I have. No. Yeah, main so room here's or an, yeah, the, yeah, main room, big room. Here's here's a new experience for you. Us and in this moment, they said that between these two bands, it was the most production that they have ever seen come into that building, and Tight. they had to forklift. Uh, forklift video panels, forklift drums on the risers up to the third floor and go through the front windows of the rave. Uh, There's no way I'd be able to watch that. (laughs) I walked out the front door and like there was a forklift in front of me and I just looked up and and Kirby was up there just waving at me and they were loading a video panel through the front. I was like, no, 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 no. I just turned around and went back inside. Uh, <laughs> not my chair, not my problem. And then I yeah. just walked away. I don't want, I, did, I don't want to be part of whoever made this, whatever group of people made this decision and said this is how it had to be. Yeah, I just, I don't want to be part of that conversation. <laughs> and sometimes you got, the show must go on. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, like, I've done everything from like elevators outside to um, Freemason lodges to like, you know, man, every everything in between. And yeah, you know, it's, it's always like 14 flights of stairs kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I've never had to do that. Um, but well, it, it's usually like if there's a lot of stairs, I, I usually, I'm just like, I'm going to save my knees and let the, let the hands yeah. handle that. At the end of the day, uh, I really appreciate that relationship. And I, uh, I hope to, I just, I hope, I hope that in the near future, if it's, if it's Lane or if it's, or if it's somebody else that gets hired on top of having him there, um, I just I, I I would love to further how that relationship works. <laughs> yes, Darren, I know. Um, <laughs> and if if you're loading gear and you break your hand, there's no show. So you know if I'm feeling like shit or if I'm feeling terrible or you know this just you know I I don't consider myself if I'm on the road I don't have any sick days. Like the job has to get done. So yeah, you know. Well, and, and myself. you're talking to you're talking to me who played four shows with a broken foot uh i i played with 
I played with COVID in 2019. I played with a concussion last, last year. Um, you know, it's, I, I, I respect the type of person that you are for, for feeling that way, for feeling no sick days, for wanting to do your job. But there comes a point with everybody that help is either needed uh, or help should be given without being asked for. And I have no problem recognizing that. And I have no problem stepping in, even if that person's pride may be getting in the way, which is exactly how I was. It's why Sully put his hands on my shoulder and made me fucking cry about saying, hey, put your pride aside. You don't have to work. You don't have to do this. We are here to help you. And it's only right that if I see somebody in a situation in which I could be helping and not put myself in danger, you are right. I, I don't want to, I don't want to be loading a truck. I don't want to be, yeah, you don't want to be know, underneath uh, that I, fork at the rave. Like exactly, exactly. <laughs> that, that's, but, but if there's stuff that I can do throughout the day, um, that would take some weight off of, off of our crew. That is, uh, it's, it's a unusual situation that we have. You know, it's an unusual uh, um, delegation of jobs, and and I understand that. Um, so I, as I see both sides, I see where you're coming from, but I also hope that a somebody like you could see where I'm coming from because we're the same. No, we're of just course, doing different jobs. <laughs> I'm just saying that's how I work. You know, yeah. like for different strokes for different folks, you know, if you're if you're not feeling well and you feel as though you can't do what you're supposed to do, like. That's fine, but, you know, I'm just I'm just I'm going to fight through it. I'm going to fill myself up with Sudafed and I'm going to go to work. <laughs> like Even if it's even if it's just if it's a broken finger, you're like, I'm still going to. Yeah, just even if it's just a broken Sudafed finger, I'm just going to take Sudafed for no reason. <laughs> All right, fellas. Um, does anybody else have any final thoughts on this topic? No, I'm good. <laughs> All right, excellent. Well, I'm going to let you fellas go then. Thank you for listening to the Roadie Friday podcast. Have a question or an idea? Email us at roadiefridaypod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Theme music by Ricky Armelino. Editing and production by Darren Makins.